It is a Saturday morning on CCO Radio Time once again for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Denny. How are you this fine morning? You know, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for asking. I hope you, uh, you are as well, you and your family. I am and uh, it's. Uh, how are you this fine morning? You know, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for asking. I hope you, uh, you are as well, you and your family. I am and uh, it's uh, it looks like we're going to have a little cooler weather on the way. But hey, it's almost the end of January, and uh, and why not? I guess exactly, uh, exactly. What, what should we do today, today? I thought I would address something we talk about from time to time, and maybe clear up the air on it once and for all. And that is corks versus screw caps on wine. Cork is a classic selection for sealing a bottle of wine. And, you know, it's gone back and forth and back and forth uh, where screw caps are not a good thing. They are a good thing, etc. They cheapen the wine. They don't cheapen the wine. They allow the wine to improve. They don't allow the wine to improve. Well, all of those are, some of them are true. Some aren't. Uh, cork is a wonderful thing. It comes from... Uh, an oak tree, and uh, there's a lot of oak trees that are cork oak trees around the world. There's about 4 million acres planted of these oak trees around the world. Most of them are in Portugal, and uh, it it takes some time. Uh, First of all, a tree has to be about 25 years old before they can harvest the cork, and then they can harvest the cork only once every nine years. So it's a long-range thing when you're in the cork business, believe me. Uh, However, that first year, and sometimes the first two years, those corks aren't suitable for things like making bottle corks. Bottle corks are probably about half of the production of cork in the world. Uh, It's a wonderful, as I said, when it was discovered, if you can imagine this, they used to take bottles of wine, and put a wooden peg in it and a cloth soaked in oil around the wooden peg, and that's how they sealed up a bottle of wine. Pretty nasty to think about, and probably even looked nastier. Then they developed cork, and cork wasn't a new development. It was around in ancient Greece and Rome, etc. But they didn't use cork at that time for aging wine. In those days, they aged wine with amphora, and four is a kind of a clay pot, much like your clay flower pots. Uh, believe it or not, that clay pot allows a little air to go through. And that's the secret of cork, really. While cork is a dense thing, there is enough uh, given that cork to let a little bit of air get into the wine. Too much air, and it kills it. And air and wine uh, go sour. And that's where, as a matter of fact, the word vinegar comes, vin agar, sour wine. And, you know, the cork was used for fishing nets and et cetera. The ones that really pioneered it were the people from Champagne. They figured out a way to get under pressure to get a cork in to hold the bubble inside the bottle, and that was the real secret of champagne, is to be able to keep that sparkle inside the bottle. And so they eventually figured out a way with cork, and then they wire the cork on top. When that cork goes into a bottle of champagne, the next time you open a bottle, uh, look at the mushroom-shaped cork, and you can see that eventually this was originally a cylinder. 
and under heavy pressure was squeezed into the neck of that bottle. And then uh, as it grew, the, the cork expanded a little bit and thus formed a uh, mushroom shape uh, in the bottle or on top of the bottle, but wired down. So champagne was a pioneer in that. Well, sooner or later, everybody got into the act. You know, years ago, you didn't ship wine in bottles. You shipped it in barrels. And corks were used there to seal the barrels, of course. In fact, there's a funny story. The current governor of California, Newstrom, I was looking at him on television. This is about a year and a half ago. And I said, you know, he's familiar to me. I know him from somewhere. And I couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. Then I finally remembered. He's a principal in a winery called Plump Jack, and he's a principal with a couple of the Getty boys, John Paul Getty's grandchildren, and they were pioneers. They made this Plump Jack. It was an expensive Cabernet, about $100 a bottle, and bear in mind, we're talking 20-some years ago, so it was really expensive then, and they decided to put Plump Jack into a screw cap bottle. Well, all of a sudden, there were no sales on Plump Jack. People weren't ready for that. And I contend that today people are ready. There's lots of pros and cons for natural cork. One of the biggest things was cork taint. Unfortunately, most people don't recognize that. They think that the wine, that, well, I had coffee or I, it's my, I'm just not myself today and the wine doesn't taste like it usually does, etc. That's cork taint or the wine is cork. Um, fortunately for all of us, the people in Portugal have developed a bath for the corks that has eliminated 99% of the cork taint. You still see some every now and then when a wine is corked and the wine is then un rendered undrinkable. It's not very good. But anyhow, uh, so those Stelvin tops or screw caps do really have a place. And like you said, a plump jack being a pioneer, paid the price. They, their sales on that $100 Cabernet just dried up to nothing. However, today they still have it with a screw cap, and I'm delighted to report that it does sell very well. Uh, screw caps really started in the late mid to late 60s, and that they're today a very large share of the market. I would say that if you're buying a wine under $30, there's nothing wrong with a, uh, a screw cap on that bottle of wine. You, it should not be your opinion that that cheapens the bottle of wine. It really doesn't. It's a good way to seal the wine. I remember once we had a vineyard in Italy, and we decided that we would have a little experiment and see how cork wines dis varied from wines that had Stelvin tops. And we did put three vintages in regular bottles uh, with a cork, and then the same three vintages in a Stelvin top with a screw cap. And we had a case of each one so we could open them. And we opened them every year for seven years. And here's my report. In seven years, the ones with the Stelvin tops tasted exactly the same as the day they went into the bottle. Fine and dandy. However, the ones that were corked are sealed with a cork, were had aged somewhat and developed all sorts of wonderful nuances. So it's my opinion if a wine is age-worthy, it should indeed have a long cork in it. And if a wine is going to be drunk 
in the first five or six years, which is probably 90% of the wine in the world, you can use a screw cap on it. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, today, corks have come down in price. For a while, Stelvin was a, a cheaper alternative. But today, uh, they are about the same. And they get better corks today because, like I said, the Portuguese people, who are the principal cork makers in the world, although Spain is right up there, uh, their corks are bathed in a solution that prevents that cork taint. And, you know, today, I think people are more adventuresome, frankly. You know, glass is kind of heavy. Today we see wine in cans, etc., etc. And while I'm not a big fan of that, I can see the practicality, particularly if you're going on a picnic or something, you don't want to carry a heavy bottle. Uh, canned wines are fine. Also, those uh, wines that come in what almost look like milk cartons are uh, available today. And I think wine will always have a place in people's enjoyment, whether it comes in a cardboard carton, a tin uh, can, or a bottle. Uh, you shouldn't just allow that to be the decision uh, that you're going to make when you buy a bottle of wine. You know, cork is really interesting, as I said, because it takes nine years for that cork tree to get ready, get enough bark, that they can use it to, for making uh, wine closures. And as I said, uh, it's easy to seal up or scrunch up, and then it'll form a tight seal, but the seal isn't so tight that it doesn't let a little air go in and out, just like those ancient amphora of Greece, where they'd pour the wine in, pour some oil on the top of the wine, and then the wine would be aged, and it would, the Romans aged wines for up to 100 years in those giant amphora uh, because it allowed that wine to breathe a little bit. And believe it or not, there, at least there were reports at the time, the wines were absolutely wonderful. But cork has lots of different uses, and you know they're just now beginning to explore a lot of things like flooring and insulation and adding cork to things like concrete and that for insulation and uh, it's just remarkable how it's all changed and today there is absolutely nothing in the world wrong with a, uh, a screw cap wine as a matter of fact my wife's favorite wine uh, is a wine called Gearbox Chardonnay and yes, it comes with a screw cap, and she loves it because she can open it up without any trouble. She's got a little arthritis, and sometimes it's hard to open a bottle with a regular corkscrew. Screw caps don't have that, and the wine is very, very good. And so, like I say, today I don't think there's much difference in what you get when you use a sealer for the wine. The, whether it's a screw cap or a cork, it really is... A wonderful thing. And uh, speaking of that, one of the things I do not particularly like as a, a wonderful thing are synthetic corks. They're very, very hard to get out of the bottle, and they don't permit any back and forth with air at all. They're airtight, etc. Uh, and uh, fortunately, I think they're waning in popularity, but for a while, Synthetic corks were all the rage, and I just never, ever cared for them. Today, about 60% of the wine in the world is bottled with corks, so it's still the majority. But that 40% is a huge jump 
from the mid-60s. As a matter of fact, the real pioneers in this were the folks from down under, Australia and New Zealand. They really are the ones that pioneered the Stelvin cork, which is a screw cap, uh, Stelvin top, which is a screw cap. And uh, while Stelvin is a French company, it was the New Zealanders that really made that happen. And, and I think removed, to their credit, a great deal of the stigma that was connected with wines that had a screw cap. Almost 95% of the wine from New Zealand has screw caps, and probably 60% of the wine from Australia has screw caps. So I think if you pick a good bottle of wine, it doesn't make much difference whether it has a screw cap or a cork. Just sit back and enjoy it, and you can speculate all you want about the pros and cons of either one, just as long as you're enjoying the wine, and that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Make it an adventure. And you can find a lot of adventures at any one of the Haskell's locations. In fact, there was a great book. It was called Hand Me That Corkus, Corkscrew Bacchus. And it said, every adventure begins with pulling the cork. And boy, can you begin some wonderful adventures at Haskell's by pulling the corks on some of the thousands and thousands of wines we have that are incidentally all priced very favorably. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington. There's a Haskell's in Excelsior. In Faribault, right off at 35, you'll find Haskell's, our maple cellar, our Maple Grove cellar is simply not to be believed. It's huge. There's a Haskell's in downtown Minneapolis with free parking on Saturday and Sunday. Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury. And if you can't come into Haskell's, Haskell's.com. Absolutely. Well, Jack, let's do this again next week. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Thanks so much, Jack. Jack Farrell from Haskell's. By the way, get those uh, lawn and garden questions ready because coming along next hour, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney will be answering those uh, those very questions. So uh, lawn and garden questions next hour here on CSU. You might see a little Apache uh, fog this morning. We expect some of that uh, before uh, 9 o'clock or so. Otherwise, another cloudy day. We have uh, highs expected near 28 a warm couple of days, and then it's going to be a cooling-off period uh, for sure coming along here by the end of the week. 30 could be Monday's high, 18 by the end of the week. Right now, winds are west at 5. Right now in the Twin Cities, little fog, 19 degrees.